Each of these Bible uh, surveys are going through an entire book of the Bible. And when you come to the Psalms, this one was a tough one for me to determine. Are we going to do all of this in one setting? Or are we going to break it up? Because a few things about the book of Psalms. This is uh, the Hebrew hymnal, right? This is what the Hebrews would sing. It's their songs. It's their, um, uh, their liturgy. That, that, this is how they would come together and they would chant these, sing these, and quote these together. And everybody would be quoting it at the same time. And so it would be very um, uh, communal, very congregational. And, <coughs> excuse me, the, the book of Psalms is actually, it's got five books in it. And if you've got a, uh, your Bible, it's, it's got a lot, of, uh, a lot of headings probably, right? And so it's got like book one, book two, book three, book four, five books in the book of Psalms. I was going to say, we're going to spread this over five weeks. And then I thought, you know what? I want to stay true to our survey um, pattern, and I want to do the whole book of Psalms today. So it is going to be very different than, than our typical, the way we've looked at the Scripture thus far. I want to do this um, in, in a way that is hopefully helpful to understand some more and gets you out of here before Friday afternoon. So that's my goal. Uh, so if we can, we'll see how that, how that works. Um, but in, in Psalms, is actually broken down into five different books. Those books are laid out uh, to mirror something. So the first book is chapter 1 through 41. That's book 1 of the Psalms. And then book 2 is uh, verse, chapter, chapters 42 through 72. Book 3 is chapter 73 through 89, book 4, 90 through 106, and book 5, 107 through 150. And now in your Bible, it will show you where that partition, where those partitions are, okay? So you don't have to like remember and like write them down and like write them on your hand and try to figure it out. It's in your Bible. It'll show you book one, this, book two, this. So the five books, what do they look like? Why are they, why is it separated? Why does it look like this? Surely it's timeline. Nope, it's not. Doesn't have anything to do with timeline. Uh, in fact, they're, they're themed. So, this is the hymn book of the Hebrews, which means, and it, it's laid out, by the way, just so we're all on the same page, it's laid out the same way it was in Jesus' day. So, Jesus would see the same psalms we're seeing. He would sing the same psalms. So, there are, uh, there are, there are psalms that are broken up and, and gathered together uh, as the temple reading psalms. Those were psalms that Jesus would read in the temple. That every day, there was daily readings. There was the Passover psalms, which they would read, they would sing together at Passover. In fact, the way they would do it, they would sing, they would sing the first two chapters, and then they would have their Passover meal. At the end of the meal, they would sing the remaining chapters. Jesus would be doing this with the disciples. That's what would happen when it said they, after they, uh, you know, remember the Last Supper? They got together, and then they, how did they leave? They leave singing hymns. Those were the Passover hymns. Now, when you understand that, and when you know that, and you know what's about to happen with Jesus, you know that, like, he's fulfilling what the Passover Psalms were singing about, which is really, really cool. And so the more we, I got chills even saying that. That's so good. Maybe it's because it's freezing in this room. Is anybody else cold? It's cold. I don't know. I don't know why they keep it so cold on Wednesday mornings, but it's, uh, it's, I'm going to guess those were spiritual goosebumps, though. So, um, but as we look at these psalms, a few things to note. So the way that they're broken up into these different books, this will kind of help us to understand something. So I began to look through how in the world do I do a survey on this in, in an hour or less. And I, I began to think, if you look at each of these books, um, you, could, you could break down each of these books. I was like, okay, well... That's, that's helpful, but it's also, um, I don't know that it's where I really wanted to go. So each, each of the books, since there's five, uh, they, they each have a theme to them. Now, it's not, it's not very explicitly said, but if you read those books, they each have a theme. You know, it's kind of like if I were to ask you uh, to pick up a book out of, off a bookshelf, read the whole book, and tell me the theme of the book you would be able to give me kind of an idea, right? Books are typically a, a collection that have a certain theme or a certain idea behind it. Typically, what's interesting about the Bible that is, that is awesome is uh, typically you can read a book and you understand a little bit about the author of the book, right? Or what the author was thinking when he wrote it or what kind of mood the author was in when he wrote it. Like I, so I've written a couple of books. So this is not anything pe a lot of people know, but I wrote, I've written a couple of books 
each of these books, uh, I went, went through a publishing process and ended up not publishing. And, but as I was writing these, these different books, I wrote them in different seasons of my life. And one of them was obviously a very passionate season. And so the book that I wrote was very, very passionate. And if you were to read the whole book, now there's all kinds of stories throughout it, there's all, but even the writing style of it is very passionate, like very much, we're going to go get them for Jesus kind of thing. I've got another book that I wrote that was very introspective. It was as I, and, and it, it's honestly like some, some really cool thoughts and, and uh, biblical understandings, but it was very introspective the way I was writing it. So you can get that theme as you, as you were to read it. Well, the book of Psalms has these five different books in it, and each of these books have this different theme that kind of connects to something. And as I was reading a lot of commentaries and reading a lot of study and doing a lot of things, these five books point us to the first five books in the Old Testament. So the first book in the Psalms, chapters 1 through 41, is, uh, points us to Genesis. And here's how it does that. Those first 41 Psalms have a theme about them that God is sovereign and he's, he's overall and he, is, um, he deals with man in these first 41 Psalms. So the theme is that he's sovereign or he's, he is the one that created. We know that in Genesis, uh, if you remember back to or all the way back to, I think it was March, whenever we started this, um, these, these Bible studies, our Genesis study was all about how it starts with God and it ends with man, right? In the beginning, God. And then by the time it was over, it ended with Joseph, the character of Joseph. And how the story of Genesis is a lot about origins and typically, and, and basically that it was all God, God started. God did it all. He's over it all. It's, all. it's his story that he's writing. It's not, he's not writing about us. He's writing his story. That was what the, the book of Genesis is about. So the first book in the Psalms is really has to deal with the standpoint of God being the ultimate power and, him, and how he deals with man, how he is supremely in authority of that. So then the second book, chapters 42 through 72, really helps us to see Exodus. And here's, here's how, I think. It's, it gives us a bit more about how God saves. So the theme in that second book of the psalm is God's salvation, how he saves, how he does the saving work. Primarily, uh, it deals with, and the reason of that, if you, if you read just book two of Psalms, so if you were to read chapters 42 through 72, over and over and over and over again, what you'll see very, very um, uh, prominently is the people of Israel and how God delivers them. That's, that's what you'll see. Well, what does he do in the book of Exodus? He delivered his people, right? That's, that's the whole, the, the point of Exodus was getting people out of Egypt, getting his people out of Egypt. You'll find that theme in, uh, in book number two, and it, because it, it begins with this cry for deliverance in book two of, of uh, the Psalms, and it ends with Israel's king reigning over a redeemed nation. And so we kind of see hints and, and a mirror to the book of Exodus. Then the third book in the Psalms from 73 to 89 will give us a, a picture of the book of Leviticus. And here's how, and that, it's a lot about God's house or his, his temple, his, um, his dwelling place. If you remember in our study in the book of Leviticus, uh, it became a, a very quick favorite of mine. And it's because, you know, Exodus was getting God's people out of Egypt. Leviticus was getting Egypt out of God's people, right? It was about worship. It was about, here's the, here's the right way to do this. You know, we're going to even, the way we're going to position you, you're going to be facing the presence of God. You're not going to be facing the world anymore. It was about holiness. And what you'll see in the third book of the Psalms, uh, deal, God deals a lot with where he dwells and how he dwells with God's people. And so you can see that in that third book in the Psalms, which gives us a picture of Leviticus. Then if you look in book four of the Psalms, it, it looks at Numbers, the book of Numbers. It is a, it's a pretty cool thought because um, in, in the book of Numbers, if you remember that conversation we had, if, if Exodus was getting people, getting God's people out of Egypt, Leviticus was getting Egypt out of God's people, right? Getting the world separating us. Then Numbers was all about how to walk with God. 
Because it's not just about saving, saving sinners anymore. Now it's what the saint is supposed to live like. That's what the book of Numbers is. And it, you know, the book of Numbers had the start, it started and ended with, with some uh, ge- uh, genealogy, some censuses, right? A couple of censuses. They took account. Uh, that's why it's the book of Numbers. And then, but in, in between there, it's all about how God's people were to walk with him and learn from him and lean on him. And what you'll find in the, in the fourth book of the Psalms, it begins with a psalm written by Moses, the only one attributed to Moses, uh, and it ends with one of the recounts of Israel's rebellion in the wilderness. So you can almost see like pictures of the actual book of Numbers playing out in the, book, in the fourth book of the Psalms, uh, chapters 90 through 106. And in the last book of the Psalms, now all this stuff I know you're thinking like, this sounds very educational. This will be really helpful in, by the end because you're going to say, oh, now I know how to do what you're telling me to do. So the fifth book in the Psalms point, points us to Deuteronomy. So the first five books of the Bible, there is such, let, let me just say this, the more I read the Bible, the more I think about how incredible the first five books are. Like they are foundational. I mean, they really are. If you, if you can know, if I were to tell you that the greatest place to start reading the Bible, I would say the beginning, <laughs> just because it's, it's good. Uh, but I would say to, to the foundation of your faith can come out of those first five books. Like it just, it just can. It's God, how he started things. It answers so many questions. And the Psalms will help, will help direct you back there and direct you back to where. Now, again, this is the Hebrew hymn book, right? The Hebrew hymn book, this is what they would come together and sing and agree on. Here's one thing about life that I've learned. Most of us can agree on what's happened in the past. We can agree on it. Most of us do not agree on what will happen in the future, in anything, right? I I can tell you what I think when Jesus is coming back. And you're going to say, well, you say the rapture, and I say there is no rapture. And I say this, and this is what I think about this, and this is what... We can, we can debate that all day. We, and now I have a hope, I'm going to be with Jesus again. Right? That's my hope. That's, that's the goal. I think that most believers will say that's their goal too. We can agree on that. But most of the time, we can agree together on what's happened and the foundation of our faith. We can agree on Jesus Christ. He came, He died, He rose again. So what do we do? We base most of our congregational worship on the saving power of God, the saving power of Jesus and what He did, and the foundation of our faith. He was the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of... The, we, we know that. We, there's a song we even sing called Same God. It talks about the same God for those guys is the same God for me. We believe He's, he's eternal. We believe these great truths that come out of the first five books of the Bible. The, the Hebrew hymn book, the psalm, this fifth book uh, in, in, from chapters 107 to 150, point to Deuteronomy. If you think about what Deuteronomy is about, if you go back to that survey time, uh, Deuteronomy is a lot about um, God's people. It was, it was uh, I went back and looked through the notes of Deuteronomy, and I think I'd even titled it the second commandment, <laughs> the second of the commandments, uh, commanding them again of the law. And it's the law again. He, he reminds the people again, and he, he talks about, listen, put God's word in your heart. Like, put it in your family. Write it over every doorpost in your house. Like, do not let God's Word leave you. That's what Deuteronomy was primarily about. The, the last book in the Psalms is all about exalting and putting up God's Word and letting God's Word resonate in His people. So we know there's some incredible... Psalm 119 is in there. Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible. And it's about the Bible, and it's about God's Word. Really, really cool. And so we know that God is... And Deuteronomy gave us that picture that God is loving, and He's awesome. Uh, We don't get heaven because we did something awesome. We get heaven because God did something awesome. Like, that's what it reminds us in Deuteronomy. It's because God's good, not because we're good. And His Word is good. So the primary theme in that fifth book is about God's Word, which, again, points us to Deuteronomy. Now, those are the five books in the Psalms. So why is it valuable to know that? Why is it important to know that? I, I, did, all these re, I did all this research to figure out um, all, the, all the different uh, Bible trivias in the book of Psalms. There's a lot of Bible trivia in Psalms, right? You, you can say, it's, it's, what's the middle chapter in the Bible? Well, it's in the Psalms. Well, what's the longest chapter in the Bible? It's in Psalms. What's the shortest chapter? It's in Psalms. Like, what's the... uh, A lot of Bible trivia stuff. So I began to think, 
what, what, can, what does that benefit us to know? And here's what I've learned. It benefits you when you're doing Bible trivia. That's, that's all. It's, it, there's a, you know, and there's some Hebrew words in there that are kind of neat and some kind of coded things, I think, that are in there that are kind of laid around. But ultimately, the Psalms is about our connection with God and the human experience and the human emotion. If you read through the book of Psalms, what you will see is whenever I am frustrated, how can I talk to God? Well, a lot of frustrated Psalms, right? If, there, how do I, if I am ever angry, how do I communicate with God? If I'm ever uh, scared, how do I deal with God? If I'm ever passionate, excited on the top of the world, how do I deal with God? If I am ever, like, it's the human emotion and it's the connection with God. That's what the book of Psalms is about. It's how to connect our, our heart, our experiences with the heart of God. And so um, in each of these, uh, you know, because we talk about the layout, you know, when I talk about the five different books, each of those five books uh, ends with a doxology. Now, a doxology is a, um, a, a, the, the spoken experience of what's happened that's truth. So uh, the way I've kind of uh, tried to figure out how to, how to say it, so it's how to praise God and its glory about it. So it's the, a doxology is, if you break it up, it's praise or glory, and it is um, spoken or sung out loud. So each of those five books in the Psalms, the last chapter in those five books, is a doxology or a song of praise about a truth of who God is. That's, that's what it is. So sometimes you'll hear us even, there'll be a doxology that comes into a song that we sing. A doxology is truth of God sung as a praise of God. Okay, so it's, it's not just like, oh, I feel this way. It's, this is who God is, and I'm praising him for that, right? So I can say, man, God rescued me from whatever. Now, that's a true statement, but I can also say God is the one who rescues everybody because of his great power and authority over it. Do you see the difference? So I'm now praising him because of who he is, not just because of what he did for me right? So a doxology is, here's who he is, and I'm going to praise him for it. So each of those five books in the Psalms end with a doxology or a praise. And, and, and it helps me to understand why it's laid out like this. Because I, don't, I didn't know, uh, whenever I'm first, early on in my Christian walk, and, and even later on in my Christian walk, I didn't, I didn't really get the Psalms very well. I had poetry, right? Poetry, some songs, and, and I'm not a, uh, I'm, I'm musical enough to get myself in trouble, right? I can carry a tune, you know, as long as the bucket's big enough. Uh, I, can, I can figure it out. But I'm not the one that's uh, moved to, like, see God in music, right? It's just not who I am. I, I like to, to see God and hear God through His Word, and, and not even through, like, poetic words. Like, let me see a textbook about God's grace. Like, I'll read that, and I'll be just, like, soaking it in, right? I love reading the Bible. But in the Psalms, it's, it becomes almost emotional because it deals with human emotion. And I, I looked at how many people were writing in these and what times they were all written. And um, if, I, if I look at, if you do a deep dive into the, the times the Psalms were written, get this, this is crazy. I, I just found this out uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, the time frame, uh, the first group of Psalms were primarily written by David right? Probably then collected by Solomon. Solomon wrote a couple. Um, then the second group uh, were the Levites that descended from Korah, the third group by Hezekiah, and the remaining two groups of the Psalms by Ezra and Nehemiah. So as long as that timeline is true, now there are some anonymous Psalms, and there's obviously one by Moses that was way before uh, this, but the, the, the vast majority of the Psalms were written in about a 500-year span, about five, six hundred years, less than, less than six hundred years in, in a span of time, which is weird to me because I'm like, okay, it, yeah, that seems like it takes a long time, 500 years. I mean, imagine writing a psalm and you're, you're, new, you're, you're singing a song at church and you say, that's not how we sang it 500 years ago, right? <laughs> it's a, that's not the way it was. Like, that's, that's, that's been going on for generations, right? That's not anything new today to us. It's been going on for generations. The, the truth is, it doesn't matter what the, what the beat is behind the words. It's what are the words 
that are leading the beat, right? What are the words that are leading the music? Because the instruments changed in 500 years. I looked up, I, I did a real crazy deep dive into what kind of instruments were used in a 500 year span before Christ, like in these, in these years and days. And like the instruments changed pretty radically, actually. And so I started thinking, how did they not have more fights, right? How do they not argue more over the music? Like, this is crazy to me. Like, this seems like something. And, and a lot of what I read was the majority of, of it was spoken, right? It was just quoted out loud, and they would just say it out loud together. Well, what would happen is they would start to say it, and they began to get a rhythm in it. And so the rhythm of their words were they would emphasize something, and as a group, they would begin to continue to emphasize that word. And so it became rhythmic before it became musical, then it was musical to help people remember it, right? So that's the way it kind of grew. And so the Psalms were written in this about 500-year span, the majority of them. Now there's some, again, a little bit older, some a little bit newer. But uh, primarily, you, you look at it, it's, it's 150 hymns that were uh, cover to cover. They really explain the whole realm of human emotion. It's what they, it's what they help us to see. Um, I, I love how it displays how the humans have interacted with uh, what they're experiencing and giving grace and glory to God. Um, there is, I, I, I wrote down just a couple of things uh, that, that I saw in it. Sin, sorrow, shame, repentance, hope, faith, love, joy, happiness, holiness, gladness, sadness, fear, frustration, forgiveness, you name it, Psalms has you covered. Like if you've got any of those things going on in your life, okay, which is all of us most of the time, we can find in the book of Psalms um, the, the way that, it can, um, that it, can, it, it can connect us to the heart of God. I looked at a couple of different ones. I, I, here's what's so crazy about the book of Psalms that is pretty awesome. So if you, if you read like Psalm 100, uh, verses 1 through 3, I want to read these, these verses to you. Listen to, how, listen to how this psalm reads in Psalm 100, uh, verses 1 through 3. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And that is so encouraging and so good and so just life-giving, right? And then let's read uh, Psalm 79, verses 1 and 2. O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the heavens for food, the flesh of your faithful to the beasts of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. That is a very different feel from the first one that I read, right? Um, from, and, and from experiencing how majestic is your name, O oh God, to God, your people were slaughtered. Like that's, that's, that's in the same book. That's in the same, like it's in the same book in the Bible. Like the book of Psalms gives us this vast array and, and it's a beautiful place to learn. There's a couple of different things to note about the Psalms. Now, again, this survey feels a little different because I'm not like walking through chapter by chapter or even section by section. Because I want us to see that the Psalms are, each, each book within the Psalm are just filled with all kinds of different parts and pieces. So it's kind of hard to dissect it and break it apart. Uh, there's a few things to note. Uh, each Psalms have different classifications. Okay, so classification is this Psalm primarily deals with this, right? Not just the human emotion or experience, but it deals with um, something to come or something of past or something that's about to happen or hasn't happened or whatever. And so there's, there's different classifications. So when you do a, a dive into the Psalms, um, the encouragement is to know what Psalms are classified in what ways. So for instance, there are Psalms that are messianic Psalms, meaning they're speaking about Jesus, right? So written uh, way, way before Jesus ever showed up, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever shows up, and now they're talking about him. There's some, uh, I, in fact, I even did a little, like I, I, I literally wrote down all the numbers of the chapters that are messianic psalms, like chapter 2, chapter 8, 16, 22, 23, 24, 20, 31, 40, 41, like all the way to 118. There's a lot of messianic psalms, those psalms that are 
predicting and talking about who Jesus is going to be and for the people of God. So here's what that means. They were singing about Jesus before they knew Jesus, right? That's, that's a cool, awesome thought to know that they were able to sing about in faith, right? They're, they're proclaiming in faith. Um, there are some psalms that are um, uh, penitential, which means um, very sad, sorrowful because of wrongdoing, right? So we, we know some of those David wrote, right? David had some psalms where he was like, whoops, God, I am sorrowful, I'm sinful, I'm terrible, uh, forgive me, right? There's those type of psalms. Uh, in fact, there is a, uh, and, and with a repentant heart or a, um, a spirit that's, that's begging for atonement, uh, some of those psalms, uh, number 6, 32, 38, 51, 102, 130, 143. So there's some of those type of psalms. So if you're sorrowful and sad and you don't know how to talk to God, you go to a, uh, 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 that type of psalm of sorrow. Uh, there's some nature psalms. Nature psalms are a lot of fun. Uh, Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter 19, 29. Uh, I'm going to read just a little bit in Psalm 8 so that we can kind of see what a nature psalm uh, feels like. A nature psalm is about something that that we see in nature. Uh, Yeah, chapter 8, verse number 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes. When I look to your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you've set in place. What is man that you're mindful of him? It gives us a picture of, of this nature that we see God in. <clears throat> we, we see more and more um, of those nature psalms in David's writing. David, you know, was, uh, and we'll talk about David in just a minute, specifically how he had a couple of different time frames in his life. And he was, he was literally just writing about what he saw in the Lord and how he experienced God. Uh, we see some psalms that are history psalms, Psalm 78. Psalm 78, great place. Uh, we, in fact, our Vision Sunday back in, goodness, I think it was January uh, that we did, was um, primarily out of Psalm 78. Because Psalm 78 says, tell the next generation, the coming generation, the work of the Lord, so that four generations deep will know that God is still at work. And then it talks about, in there, um, what God had done in the nation of Israel. Historical, right? So I, I, almost ask, I almost want to ask the question. Let's say you were stranded on a deserted island, okay? An island, you had, and the only thing you had was the book of Psalms. You didn't have the whole Bible. You just had the Psalms. Could you build a, um, an understanding of the Old Testament and what happened if you just had the book of Psalms? And the truth is, you can. You can. There's a lot in there. In fact, now you can't build the, all the, full, the fullness of the historical text, but you can understand, man, this happened back in this day with this people. Look what God, look how God delivered them. I started looking at Psalms then like, what if I didn't have the books before it? And you know what was really cool? If you just had the Psalms and you start putting things together, you can start to see, man, I, I may not know when this happened, but I know that this happened. I know that this was something that the people of Israel went through, how he brought them out, how there was a Passover, how there was this great experience. In fact, the Psalms will tell us things that happened in the history that the history books didn't tell us about. You know, there's a lot of people that believe that David uh, had a, an illness that came on him uh, after his sin with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah. Uh, there was a, there's, there's a couple of Psalms that, that pushed to the fact that he may have even had leprosy because of it. Like he talked about whenever he was around his friends, he, he mentions it in the Psalms. I'll read it in just a minute to prove to you that I'm not crazy. Like you read it and it's like he had this, this overwhelming sickness. Now, I always just kind of read that as just a guilt, right? Until it said that his friends would stay far away from him because of the wounds open on his body. I was like, that's, wait, that's, that's leprosy. Like, what in the world? Like, they didn't say that in the book of 2 Samuel or whenever we hear the story of what happened. Rather, we find that in his dealings with God. And, he's, he, and this is a prayer to God. Like, how embarrassing would it be for your prayer to God to then be shared with the whole church, right? It's like, man, the, the, the wounds pouring out of my arms were terrible. I'm like, here, everybody read this. This is great. This is how he communicated. So we got to know there's some historical um, uh, 
pieces to the Psalms that will tell us something that happened in history that can put together the full story. And it's, again, not written as a historical document. It's written as, man, here's what God did in my life. Well, you know what you just heard? Listen to what God did in my life. Like, here's what happened in, in this time, in this timeline, in this story. There's also uh, imprecatory psalms. Imprecatory psalms are psalms that are calling for a curse to happen. So this is, this is hey, God, I want you to curse these people. That's, you can find that in chapter 35, chapter 58, 59, 69, 83, 109, 137. You hear these imprecatory, these, these almost asking God to do something that's really mean to an enemy, right? That's an imprecatory psalm. This, I, need, I want this to happen to this person, and it's, it's, it's a curse that's called out. There's also um, hallelujah psalms, right? The hallelujah psalms, there's, there's a lot of them. Uh, 106, 111, 112, 13, 117, 135, 146. A lot of them that are hallelujah psalms. I like, I like the hallelujah psalms myself because uh, they make me feel better. <laughs> uh, the imprecatory psalms are when it's like, God, these people did something against you. Smite them. You know, that's, that's a, more of a prophet than it is a pastor. You know what I mean? It's more of a, we're going to really bring, this, bring the hammer down and wear these people out. Hallelujah Psalms, however, give us this overwhelming sense of like just the goodness of God. His steadfast love is enduring forever. That's just a good thing to praise him for. And the Hallelujah Psalm, I was, uh, I was asking Pastor Trace a couple of weeks back, I said, you know, how do you plan a, uh, the songs for a service? He's like, well, you know, the first song is really an invitation song. It invites people into worship. And then there's another song that, you know, kind of the lyrics of it is more of a, hey, let's, let's just look at who God is. Like, let's just, let's just put him on display. Then the third song is typically a, a song of engagement where you, you are participating in his goodness and he, what he's done for you, how you do for him, and kind of walk through it. And like, there's a, there's a reason to it. There's a purpose to it. The Psalms give us another, another piece of that very thing. Whenever I'm in my quiet time, I've got, and I've got a couple of charts and lists and things of which psalms do what things, right? So it's just, that's kind of my, you know, people say apparently, people have told me the last couple of days, they think I have OCD. Um, and so I, I don't know, and I, I was telling the other day, I don't know how me wanting things in order is called a disorder, but apparently it is. And so, I, but I have this like kind of chart of things. It's like, if I'm looking for a hallelujah psalm, I know, I, I write it down. I write down, I write down numbers, I count things, I guess, I don't know. It does sound a little more like a problem the more I talk about it. But the, I, I do this so that I can gain, glean wisdom from it, right? I do this so that when I'm in a, a mode, I can say, I'm going to read a, a hallelujah psalm today. Why? Because I'm in a hallelujah kind of mood. I'm, I'm just, God is so good, He's so awesome, He's so amazing. You know, somebody calls me, somebody sends me a nasty worded email, I'm like, I want to read one of these imprecatory psalms. I really want to see how can I curse this person without cursing them, right? Uh, if I want to, I don't do that really, uh, but as I was thinking about it, each of these have these different classifications. So I look at the classifications, there's also prophetic psalms. Those are psalms written about something in the future, right? Something that's coming. Some of those have messianic understandings. Some of them have just future end times. There's millennial psalms. This one kind of messes with people. Depending on your, your view of theology and your view of the future, there's, there's some psalms that point to the millennial kingdom and, and some things that will be attributed in those times. Just a few of those that I've written down, 46, 72, 89. Um, and then there are some experiential psalms. Those psalms are the ones that I've experienced God, and here's what the experience has given me and shown me and, and made me better for. I, I think that most of us, if, we, if you ever write a journal, so if, you ever write, if you're a journal person, the journals that, that I write, the vast majority of them are experiential, right? Here's what I experienced today. Why? Because it's easy. I can just write what I experienced. Um, we, but I don't want anyone to think that just because it's easier to write what I experienced, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit didn't inspire it. Because each of us have an experience, but the way that the, the authors of the Psalms wrote was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, I experienced this. And it's very clear what you experienced and what it was that God did. And how that can be, that can be um, uh, truth on both sides. So, I did, so if I experienced something, 
Let's say I go to pick up this piece of paper and, I, and, this, and it gives me a paper cut, right? If, if that happens, I can say I experienced a paper cut and that seems terrible, right? And everybody in here just kind of cringes because, a man, a small cut on my hand, I just can't, I can't do it. It's just frustrating. Now, I can say I experienced a cut on my finger and it hurt really bad and I wish I didn't do it. I wish I could have gone back and changed it. Um, all those statements are true. Now, but it's clear that it was on me that I got the paper cut, right? It wasn't that the paper didn't fall out of the sky and slice my hand when I had absolutely no idea. So I experienced a paper cut, but I explained how I experienced it. I picked up the paper, I did this. So it can be truth. And then we can see in there, okay, the implication is Anthony should have been smarter when he picked up the paper, right? So when we experience things, we can, we can write it down as an experience, but we have to understand, because a lot of times in the, my journal, my journal is not all inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes my journal is inspired by Anthony's hatred toward paper, you know, or whatever it may be. And whenever we walk through this life and experience God, if we look through the Psalms, we can see how an experience in God um, and how the perspective, the pers- there's, there's a perspective shift in the Bible, right? There's not ever just, I experienced this and then it leaves you hang- hanging. Uh, in fact, one of the great experience psalms is Psalm 3, right? Psalm 3, uh, David is run out of town. <clears throat> he's out and he's being chased out. He, he gets there and, you know, for thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, right? My glory, my lifter, my head. I, I've got many who come against me. I've got enemies on every side, but you're right here with me. You're the shield that surrounds me. I'm going to be protected by you. He experienced something um, tough, but he gave the experience in a godly perspective, in a godly way. So we, we know, we can learn. There's a lot of experiential psalms. Uh, there's also, uh, one of the classifications is the songs of ascent, or the songs of degrees. Uh, and that is a specific group of psalms. So I want to talk about those for a second. Uh, psalms 120 through 134. That's 15 psalms within uh, and depending on what uh, translation or Bible, um, Bible translator uh, worked on the Bible that you're holding in your hand, um, it may say at the, at the title those songs of ascent or songs of steps or songs of degrees. Uh, that term is uh, tons of people have, have given their thoughts on what the songs of ascent or the songs of degrees are. Um, most of the time, we look at it as songs of degrees. That word um, that's used for degrees or ascent or whatever uh, is, is only used another place in Scripture. And it was in, um, uh, in Hezekiah's uh, life. So if you remember Hezekiah, he, um, he was sick. And then God, through in the book of Isaiah, it talks about he gets, um, he gets healed from this sickness and he was supposed to die. He lasted 15 more years. And it talks about the dial, the sundial on Ahaz. Ahaz had a sundial. And the only time that word degrees is used is when it talks about the sundial was turned back 10 degrees. Okay, so um, a lot of times, so 10 of those. Now, here's something kind of cool. 10 of the songs of degrees or the songs of ascents are anonymous. They don't have, a, they don't have an author to them. Five of them are attributed to David and Solomon, okay? So that means five of these songs of degrees are, are attained to uh, David and to Solomon, but ten are anonymous. And I, I personally think, the more I've studied Scripture, in Isaiah chapter 38, I believe, it talks about uh, Hezekiah mentions my songs that we sing. So I, I personally think that those ten, ten uh, songs of degrees are the songs of Hezekiah because he had ten years added to his life because of the ten degrees added to the sundial on moved back on the sundial of Ahaz, um, which is just kind of a cool, I don't even know, if I guess that's probably a Bible trivia thing. That's not going to help you any. But it, it is neat to see that there are, there are times in life and seasons in life, those songs of ascent, were, were what they called the walking psalms of the people of Israel. That's what they would use to, to road trip. So the songs of ascent or the songs of, of degrees or the songs of steps were what they used to travel to Jerusalem for their festivals. So that's what they would sing on their road trips. I'm like, this is so cool. They had road trip songs back then too. Like, this is just so neat. And if you read the songs of ascent or the songs of degrees from 120 to 134, there are... Um, 
they, they kind of have a little bit of a, of, a, of a go to them. They kind of have a little bit of a rhythm that's kind of a fun, exciting, like a pep in your step kind of rhythm. And so, especially in the Hebrew language, in the English language, some of that gets lost a little bit. But there's a little bit of a pep in the step. And so it is one that you want to kind of, kind of move to. And as you, as you think about those, and they're, all, they're, they're very encouraging, they're, very, they're building, they build on each other. And so it's a neat little section of Psalms. It's what they would use, again, when they would travel to, to Jerusalem, to the holy city, in order to have their festivals and things. Um, part of the book of Psalms is uh, uh, we've got, there's 150 Psalms. A hundred of them have attributed authors listed. Okay, so a hundred of them. And so what that means, um, David by far has the most. He's got 73. Um, there's also two mentioned in the New Testament that were attributed to David that are anonymous in the Old Testament. So I don't know if you want to add those two in or not. There's a lot of, uh, there's some controversy around that too. I don't want to necessarily push my thoughts on you. But there's, um, David by far wrote the most, uh, 73 that were attributed in the book of Psalms. Uh, David had a, had, a, had a music leader uh, in his kingdom named Asaph. Asaph was a guy who wrote uh, 12 songs. So he wrote 12. He's, he was, uh, Asaph was David's music leader. He wrote 12 psalms. The sons of Korah, the Levites that were descendants of Korah, they wrote 11 psalms. Moses has one. Uh, there's a guy named Ethan and a guy named uh, Haman, uh, Heman and those guys each wrote one. Solomon wrote two. So that gives us our number of 50, uh, one, or 100. And there's also, again, I think Hezekiah had some in there, I, I, I believe. Um, but again, they, weren't, they were anonymous in the, in the original text. So um, I can't say for sure because it's not necessarily super clear. One of the things to note, too, David wrote the majority of them. And most of these, and, and I think... Between David and Asaph, the, his, uh, his music leader, the, major, the vast majority of the psalms were written. And so I, I'm, the, I'm the curious guy, right? I'm like, why were there so many produced during that reign? Like, why was there so many? And as I looked through the Old Testament, especially going through the Kings and the Chronicles and First uh, and Second Samuel and the, the, the different, since we've gone through the history now of the people of God, what I learned was there, was there was five real, very intense instances where God re released some spiritual awakening, okay? And it was, there was five different guys that were in leadership. Um, those five guys are David, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, Josiah, and Ezra. Those were the five guys that, that major spiritual awakening came to the people of, of Israel. And the vast majority of all of these psalms were written in that time when those five guys were leaders. And I, I think why, that's, that's not a coincidence, right? When God begins to do a great work in somebody's life, what happens? They begin to produce things that are exalting and lifting up the God who protected them and who, who brought them the awakening, brought them the spiritual renewal. And so David, think about, if you think about in David's era, one of the most remarkable times in all of Israel, all of the enemies were subdued. Jerusalem was the capital. The Ark of the Covenant was back in its rightful place. Um, the Israel was powerful. They were wealthy. They had plans to build the magnificent temple. And more than half the Psalms were written just in David's time. And then, then you keep reading the majority of the Psalms, uh, way more majority of the Psalms were written all in those times and seasons of revival. And so I began to think, like, how is it? And, and you realize, like, David wrote some of those Psalms in a really, really bad place, right? He was, I mean, really bad off, sad. He had sinned, something terrible. But God was still awakening the people. And because of that, I think that when God begins to awaken people, things Things get produced in a way for, for the church, for the, his people, to experience him at a deeper level. I began looking through my life, and I, I found a pattern. And I don't, I don't know if it's just, just a coincidence, but I found a pattern. I'm, I'm a journaler. I like to journal. Now, I don't journal every single day. I wish I did, but I don't. I, I look back, and I found journals through really great spiritual markers in my life. Every time I look back, you know, the Henry Blackaby study, Experiencing God, talks about seeing spiritual markers, right? You look back and you see a spiritual marker in your life. 
I had a spiritual marker in my life whenever I was, uh, when I got saved, right? The first spiritual marker that was there. There was another spiritual marker whenever I was uh, uh, baptized, another spiritual marker. And that was even like, I didn't, I, it was a couple of years in between my salvation and my baptism. And it, I had, my, my parents didn't want me just to go and do it because I was supposed to. I needed to understand it, needed to realize what was going on. And so my dad became a pastor, and I was the first person he baptized as a pastor. And so that was a spiritual marker in my life because I was, I, was, I guess I was like 12 or something when I got baptized. And I, it was a, um, a, a thing, I, I just, I'll never forget it. I remember everything about it. There's another spiritual marker in my life uh, whenever I was 19. When I was 19, I had another spiritual marker. Whenever I was uh, 22, I had another spiritual marker. And I look back, and do you know what's crazy? Most of the spiritual markers, I have more journal entries than I do. I'm like, huh, that's weird. And then I thought, well, maybe it's not weird. Maybe it's when God was speaking to me and I was listening. By the way, he's, he's always talking. He's, he's always working. We're just most of the time not tuned in. When I was listening, I, something compelled me to put, put it down on paper. Write it down. Say something about it. Tell people about it. Exp- let people experience this. Why? Because I had this great spiritual marker. I look at the Psalms. It is a book full of spiritual markers. Like, that's what it is. I, I can't help but think, man, as I looked through it and as I began to read, yeah, there are some tough seasons. I'll tell you another spiritual marker. August 26, 2021. Not the best day in my life whenever I had to tell my dad goodbye. And then he reminded me it was just a see you later when he was like doing his hand. He's like signing to me as he's like going on home to heaven. And in that moment, that was a spiritual marker. I was low. Let me tell you, it was, I sunk real, real low, but it was a spiritual marker. I got way more journal entries from that. Now, some of them are, God, I don't understand you, and I, I, I think you're wrong here. I know you're not. Your Bible says, the Scripture says you're not. I, I, my faith says you're not, but my feelings say you are, right? And like some of that was just real raw and real open, but I began to look back and think, man, these spiritual markers in my life were when more was produced, and, and as terrible as this sounds, those were the great things that God uses to empower and build up the church. Like, that's what he's using today. These spiritual markers in my life that I look back on, I can tell you a moment when I was 25 years old. I was 25. I was in this church. I was at the other building. It was, maybe I was 26, right after the building got built. I was down there in the other building, and I, I remember uh, standing in front of my little office, my little, my little uh, mailbox. I remember a step of faith that I took that I couldn't afford, I could not afford to do what God had asked me to do. I thought, God, I can't afford it. And he said, you got to do it because I'm your Lord. If I'm not your Lord, then you can't, you can't this, you're not, we're in the wrong place. I remember making this, this move. That very story that I have told now a hundred times has impacted more lives. And I, why? How do I remember it? Because I wrote it down. <laughs> How do I remember it? Because I, I, I made sure and connected it to people. Like, that's it. I experienced God, and here's what he did for me. That's what, that's what Psalms is. It's, it's a, bunch, a bunch of experiences and understandings of who God is and how he does things. Um, more, most of the Psalms originated from times of revival. That's what happened. That's the way it works. And so we, if we see that, if we know that, I, I want to give you just a little bit of an understanding of a kind of a survey, though. So we're going we're gonna to look at David just real quick. Uh, David wrote by far the majority of the Psalms um, that were written that, uh, that by anybody. Um, and we see David in a couple of different places. We see his Psalms, and they don't go in any type of order. So I don't want you to think that like, oh, it's Psalms 1 through 18. That's not the way uh, it works with the, Psalm, the hymn book. Um, rather, they were, we see a couple of different things about David's life. We see, if you, if you, if you know the life of David, you know he was, um, uh, there were times whenever he was, a, he was a shepherd boy, right? We look at the shepherd boy years. We look at the times where he was the worship leader in Saul's court, right? We look at the times where he was on the run away from Saul, and he was, he was an outlaw and a fugitive. Then we look at the times where he was king and he um, had, had all this great victory. We look at the times where he was run off from his son in Absalom. So we, if we just look at the life of David, what you find is there are psalms on, in every part of his life. Every one of them. When he was a shepherd boy, a lot of the nature psalms, right? Whenever he was a fugitive, and he was running away, and he was hiding in the cave. There was, there was psalms about, you know, his, his, him trying to be patient and trying to wait on the Lord, but like, Lord, this is hard. There were, there were psalms about uh, him in the, whenever he was in 
King Saul's court. And there were moments where he could have taken King Saul's life, but he didn't. There's, there's psalms written about that when David was writing that and saying this moment, I, you know, I, I held my peace in this moment. I did my best, but I, I, I tried my best to hold on and to hold off. And we see that a lot in Psalm 140, 141. Those two psalms together give us a picture of when, when David was in uh, that court and how he would, how he, how he would talk to God uh, whenever he was that, in that role. We see a lot of places where he was winning and having victories. Psalm 139 is one of those places. Um, we see a lot when he was in trouble. Listen to this. I counted it up. There's more than two dozen, so more than 24, are related specifically to David's sins and the sorrow and suffering that came after that. More than 24 of his psalms. That's like almost a third of his psalms that he wrote were written from places of deep hurt and deep tragedy and deep sorrow. Like there's, there's something to note for us. Like God can, you know, we read the scripture and we say all the time, God can use your suffering. And we're always like, well, how can God use this? Well, first start by writing it down. Just write it down and then see what he can, what he can do with it. More of David's Psalms are written, a, a big chunk of them are written out of his sorrow, out of his sadness. As we talked about um, earlier, the Psalms in, this, in, in our Bible are the same that, that Jesus would have read. You know, those were the Passover Psalms. Those were the temple Psalms. Those were the things that he would even begin to, to say and to do. As you think about the Psalms, here's how I want to end this morning. Um, I, I want to encourage you by, by this. Um, Psalms have a few different, whenever you're going to read them, they've got a few different thoughts, right? They can be historical, they can be prophetical, they can be, um, you know, not everything is meant to, to do the same thing. Okay, so um, it's kind of hard to explain that. But here's, here's what I know. Uh, I have, I, one of the tricks that I've done in Psalms is I will take and I will read a psalm. And just like any song that I hear, I will listen to a song, and I try to think, what would I title it? Right, what would I title it? And partly because when I was a little boy growing up, I was seven years old, and I, was, I would sit in the back of this church called Black Oak Baptist Church in Clinton, Tennessee. We had this guy that was leading our music, and he would stand up, and he would get his hymn. His hymnal was bigger than everybody else's. I don't know why he got the big fancy one, but his was bigger. And he would set it out on this big giant podium, and it, it was huge. I mean, it was like, it opened up like this big. You, you all know what I'm talking about? Like, this is a real thing that they had. And we'd all grab our little hymnal from the back, and he would get up, and he would say, everybody turn to hymn number, and if it was a three number, if it was a three digit number, so if it was like, uh, you know, 444, he would say, turn to him 444. If it was 172, he'd say, turn to 172. Like, that's the way he would say it. That's how I hear it in my head. Anytime I'm ever around any type of hymnal, I don't hear, turn to him number 172. I hear 172. Turn to him 172. And I'm like, is that three different hymns or what? Is this one? What is the deal? But, <clears throat> and then he would always say the title of the hymn. He would always say it. Right after he said the number, he would say the title. And, you know, the number gave us a reference. How far into this book do I go? And the title gave us an, an implication of where we're going. That's what it did. So one of the things that I've done in the book of Psalms is I have, I have um, looked, read them, and, and tried my best to write down what... Now, in each of... In my Bible, there's a title over every psalm, right? Probably in yours as well. You know, if you're, if you're looking at them... Now, that title is not uh, necessarily the title that was written for that. For that. It's, it's to help you understand kind of where we're going, right? It's a hymn book. That's what it is. And so as I look for it and I look through it, um, I like to think, uh, so one of the Psalms that I have, I've written down, so Psalm number, um, let, me, let me turn to Psalm number 117. That's what I'm going to say, Psalm number 117. I'd be a good music leader. I could do that all day. Uh, Psalm number 117. So 117, Psalm 117, is um, the shortest, shortest chapter in the Bible, okay? And the... The title in my Bible is The Lord's Faithfulness Endures Forever. That's the title that it's given there. I wrote out a title, though, called International Praise. That's the title I gave it. Now, you can, you can disagree with it if you want. That's okay. That was the one I experienced, and that's how I talked to the Lord. Because what I do is when I turn to 117, and I know that this is an international praise song, um, I, I, will, I will then read it, and I will say, Praise the Lord, all nations. See, international praise, international praise. 
And it will say, extol him all peoples. Because it's international. It's everybody. Okay? So, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. That's a... um, So, what I've done is try to keep a little catalog. Um, I've got a Bible that I've not even unpacked from all my stuff yet uh, that has... that, That I've literally written in. Like, what I... What I title it, you know, and um, it gives me an understanding of where we're going in this psalm, and it helps me to see how, what am I going to experience God as in this, in this moment, in this psalm. Um, my, my favorite is psalm number, uh, well, I say my favorite, uh, one of my, another one of the ways I've retitled it, psalm number 55, um, or as my choir director would say, he would, if it was just a two-digit thing, he would just say 55. That's weird. Isn't that weird? That's weird. Now that I remember that. Um, psalm number 55. Or Psalm, Psalm number 144. I don't know. Anyway, Psalm 55 um, is uh, the title in my Bible is Cast Your Burden on the Lord. But my title is uh, on, for, for Psalm number 55 is When Sorrows Like Sea Billows Roll. I just like that one. I like that one. That was a great song whenever I was growing up. I remember it. And, I, and when I read Psalm 55, that's what it was, that's what it, it, I heard. Because in verse number one, give, give ear to my prayer of my God and hide yourself not from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I'm restless in my complaints and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble on me and anger, they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish. As you read through that, I just, I read it and I thought, man, that sorrows just overcome it like over one after the other after the other i want to encourage you whenever you go to read the psalms whenever you go to uh worship the um uh, well the last one i want to read so one psalm 136 psalm 136 um i didn't even talk about one man i didn't talk about 119 i didn't talk about you need to read the book of psalms it's so good um psalm 136 let me tell you what i did with a group of students one time that were um I had a student tell me they didn't like whenever we all read Scripture together. They didn't like that because they said it felt awkward, it felt weird, they didn't like it. So I said, okay, we won't do that anymore. I tricked them. Here's what I did in Psalm 136. If you read Psalm 136, it, uh, there'll be a line. The line will say, um, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Then it says, for His steadfast love endures forever. Then it says, give thanks to the God of gods for His steadfast love endures forever over and over and over again for his steadfast love endures forever is repeated after every line so here's what i did with our students i said hey i said i want you guys to repeat this for his steadfast love endures forever so everybody said it and so i said i'm just going to say a phrase and that's why i just want you to to quote that back at me like a chant like a cheer they were like okay we got this we got this so i'd say a line and they would say for his steadfast love endures forever and as we went through psalm 136 they didn't even realize that's what we were doing. They didn't know they were quoting scripture together. They had no idea. But what was happening is towards the end of the psalm, it was almost this like, yeah, his steadfast love endures forever. That's right, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It does. It does. By the end, I said, do you guys realize you just quoted Psalm 136? And they were like, what? I said, I read a line and then you, you did it. And they said, well, that was a lot of fun. I was like, of course it's a lot of fun. And that's what the, the Hebrew people, they were like, the, and, and Psalm 136 gives us a very historical context about how great God is and what he did for us, what he did for the people, and how he took care of things, how he was strong, divided the Red Sea, I mean, how they brought him out of Egypt, like so powerful, <clears throat> so incredible. And I think so many times we have lost a little bit of our um, vigor in how we read the Psalms, because we read it like, poetry. Oh, this is just this beautiful, well-written thing. It's like, no, this is experiencing God, is what it is. It's, man, God did this in somebody's life, and here's how they responded. Here's how they wrote it down. Here's how they remembered it. Here's how they they praised God through it. So, I want to encourage you. If you have never done it, I want you to to just, and you don't have to do it every, you know, you don't have to read tons and tons and tons of pages every day uh, in the Psalms to do this, but when you read a Psalm, just jot down, what do you, what would you title it? What would you title it? See what you're getting out of it. See what you're experiencing through it. And, you know, and I think, and if I did it, I still do it to this day, and I realize and I recognize my title changes sometimes because sometimes I'm, I'm just listening to It Is Well With My Soul. Sometimes I've listened to a new song 
Sometimes I've experienced God do a new thing. And so when I read it, I experience Him in a new way. The Psalms have you covered when it comes to how do I talk to God? How do I communicate with God? How can I, if any situation, any time, any trouble, and, and you can find tons of resources online and, you know, doing searches and stuff of like how are the Psalms categorized or what are the different um, classifications of the Psalms to kind of help you, guide you. Uh, but know that I, I, would, I, would be, I would be a little careful too because there's a lot of crazy stuff on the internet about the Psalms. Um, so I, I tried to stay away from it as much as I could. Uh, but just know that it is a great place for you to read journal entries of what's happened. If there wasn't, if it's an anonymous psalm, here's a little tip for you. If it's an anonymous psalm, if it doesn't say a psalm of David or a psalm of Asaph, it is a how the community responded rather than just how an individual responded. So you can see and hear even how the community of God's people responded to what God did in that time and season. Um, I hope and pray, I, it was almost impossible to go through the book of Psalms in, a, in one setting, but um, and I know we really just talked about the book. We didn't really talk about so much into it. But um, next week, be sure you come back and join us as we look through Proverbs. Let's go ahead and pray this morning as we close out.